0: Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. A
1: lot of logistics. Stop laughing, Kent. Thank you. (laughs) let's pray Jesus we are grateful to you that in the midst of this chaotic world in the midst of whatever chaos has invaded our personal situation we have this great privilege to gather and to declare the wonder and the magnitude of your love to remind one another again of what is true of what is right of what is real of what is good And to rest in these realities. To once again remember who we are. To draw strength from the knowledge we have of you. And the experiences we have had in you. So thank you for pursuing us, reminding us, and being present with us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Last week, as some of you know, we started a six-week series uh, called Next. And we started... Off this adventure by reflecting a bit on the journey of Oak Hills so far. We talked about who we are as a church, the soul of Oak Hills, if you will, our commitment to spiritual formation in Christ likeness, to being the kind of community where both individually we are being formed in Christ and as a community, the soul of our church is being formed in Christ and to this mission we have of inviting people to live their actual life right now in the reality of God's good kingdom. And today we're talking about the ongoing journey, or if you will, the journey continues, and it is a simple but important idea, and it kind of centers on this question, what is God up to in our midst? How is the Spirit moving among us, shaping us into His people? forming the heart and character of Jesus in us individually and in our congregation. In other words, the Spirit's work in our racial, political, gender, age, and economic differences to cultivate between us an authentic unity as sisters and brothers in Christ. And so the issue we want to reflect on today is, what is God up to in our lives? What is the Spirit doing In our church, where is he stirring? So, with that, if I can have you stand for a scripture reading, it's a rather short reading today. It comes from 1 Corinthians 13 or 3. And I'm going to read verses 16 and 17. And just to kind of set this up, and I'll talk about this in a moment, but Paul's writing this letter to a very broken, very imperfect, uh, very dysfunctional church. And he says in verse 16 of chapter 3, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. This is the word of the Lord. Maybe may be seated. Paul makes this rather incredible statement to, as I mentioned, this imperfect, dysfunctional, and struggling Corinthian congregation. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in you? And he's not speaking to an individual here. This isn't you singular. This is you plural. He's speaking to the imperfect and broken church located in the city of Corinth. And he says, all of you together are God's temple where his spirit dwells. Now, to just kind of get a little bit of the context, within the Corinthian church, there were all sorts of divisions happening, fractures. There was this us versus them paradigm and narrative. And Paul is trying to lift their eyes to the bigger vision and grander story of what the spirit is doing in their midst, as the people of God, and as the church. He's present with them, and he's active among them. And Paul says to them, you, plural, the church, are God's temple, and the Spirit of God dwells in your midst. And again, remember, this is a broken church. This is a very imperfect church. This is a church that, like all churches, maybe except for Philippians, like all churches in the New Testament, like all churches all the time. There's a brokenness to it. There's a difficulty in it. The church walks with a limp, we might say. And these Corinthians are fighting over really silly things. Paul says, don't you know God's spirit dwells in your midst? He's in you. He's with you. And he's doing things among you. So if you mess this up, if you get sidetracked by silly arguments and petty divisions, you will destroy the church. He uses really strong language. And Paul says, really, Fiercely, God will deal with those who destroy his church because his church is his temple. It is sacred, in other words. And he's not referring to the big uh, cement structure we think of as the temple. He's actually thinking of the space within the temple where the presence of God dwelt. And this may be hard for some of us to wrap our heads around, but when Paul and the New Testament talk about the gospel of the kingdom of God and talk about the formation of the church, they talk about it as a high-stakes deal. And this may be where they're on another level than some of us are. This isn't just another game on the schedule. This is kind of a Super Bowl, if you will. When they're talking kingdom, when they're talking the formation of the church... They're talking about high stakes. There's nothing more important in their mind than the gospel of the kingdom and how it shapes and how it transforms people, how it shapes and how it transforms a congregation, and by extension, how it influences a city, and by extension, how it shapes and influences the entire world. Last week, I explained the giving campaign portion of this next series, the 1.4 million in debt we are trying to retire so we are debt free in a couple of years and if you weren't here and you didn't get one of the brochures we handed out that kind of explains in more detail what we're doing and the various opportunities over the next few weeks to participate in what we're doing and if you would like a brochure but you weren't here last week just put your hand up there are elder or ushers that are wandering around and if someone wants a brochure Um, They'll just bring one to you and and, uh, we're not going to go into it much more than that. We'll talk in the weeks to come about the details of the finances, the financial part of this series and what we're trying to do. But this week we are focusing on the Spirit's presence among us. And I'd kind of like to encourage our hearts and our minds to get into that space as we think about it for ourselves and as we think about it for Oak Hill's. What is the Spirit up to in our midst? What's He saying to us? How is He stirring? And I get it. What I'm about to say is subjective. It's probably all sorts of pastoral hype built into it. I'm probably saying it more strongly than I should because it's part of what I'm supposed to do in order to get you charged up, even though it's probably beyond or or maybe it's not as far as what I'm saying it is, or it's not as hyped as what I'm saying it is, but I think God is doing some really good work in our midst. I think he's really up to some soulful work in our midst as a church. One of the things I've observed in recent months is the inevitable messiness that comes when different people with different politics and different views on various social issues come to the table as God's people who are in submission to Jesus Christ and in submission to each other and they lay those differences at his feet and they embrace their identity as a beloved daughter or son of God and they embrace their identity as God's people, God's community. I mean, as I watch this, there's an inevitable messiness that happens. And here's the thing, it's not easy. And yet God is at work ...in the midst of all the messiness. And here's the thing. Church is messy. Church is complicated. Church is imperfect. Church stumbles on its way. It's messy. It's imperfect. Non-discipleship wreaks havoc in a church. In addition, it would be a whole lot easier... ...to have a church filled only with, for example, Republicans... If you're not a Republican, you can't come. Or Democrats. If you're not a Democrat, stay away. We don't want you. It'd be a lot easier to have a church that just focused in and said, we're the church for Republicans. Or we're the church for Democrats. It would be a lot easier to have a church where every single person thinks exactly the same way about every single issue related to the matter of homosexuality. It'd be a lot easier if we all just thought exactly the same about this issue. But as we have frequently said and will continue to say, when there is no real difference in a congregation, then there is no real unity, there is only uniformity. And we're committed to letting the Spirit of God unite us together in our differences, to bring us and our differences to His table to the foot of his cross, to the entrance of his empty tomb, and deeper into life in his kingdom. That we come bringing whatever we bring and we learn how to submit these things to the larger narrative of our lives, which is as a beloved son or daughter of God and as the beloved people of God in this little sliver called O'Kill's Church. In other words, we want Oak Hills to be a people and a place And an experience where God's Spirit dwells and where we together continue to learn how to demonstrate love and grace and forgiveness and hope to this fractured and divided and cynical and judgmental world. And it's good for us to pause now and then and think about what the Spirit is up to in our church. Think about what He's doing, where He's stirring, where lives are being shaped for the kingdom where people perhaps are rethinking the gospel and its many implications, where people are venturing to the outer limits of their comfort zone because they feel like Jesus is inviting them there. And on the outer edge of their comfort zone and beyond their comfort zone, they're finding God in the risk. I went to our youth group last Sunday night. They had what they call box night, which means... They write down a bunch of questions. They they don't actually put them in a box, but it's you get the idea. And then they pull them out one at a time and they ask them, and they ask me to come and address some of them. And I want you to hear this in terms of at least my perspective of what God is up to, of where the Spirit is stirring and where the Spirit is moving. The Spirit is at work in our youth group. It's a wonderful Sunday night for me. And here's the thing. There are certainly challenges our youth group is facing. There are certainly issues in the youth group. There's tensions in the youth group. There's differences in the youth group. There's conflict in the youth group. And it is actually in those challenges and in those issues and in those tensions and in those conflicts that the spirit is at work. It's the pressure, whether we feel it individually, as a group, Or as a congregation, the pressure is often where the Spirit is stirring and working and transforming if we have ears that will hear. Now, I promised our youth group last Sunday night that I was going to tell you about one of their brilliant ideas today. In fact, I invited them, if I don't say this in front of the church, interrupt the service, stop me and come charging forward. So I'm going to make good on the promise right now. They have a thing they started doing at their recent winter camp, and I really like it. I don't know if I'd put it in the category of what the Spirit is doing, but I really like it. And I think we should implement it throughout the church starting right now. They call it bathroom encouragement. So when they go in the bathroom, we're going to start doing this, someone else is there, you know how that is, it's weird, it's awkward, hey, how are you doing, you kind of mumble at each other, it's goofy. But instead of that bathroom encouragement, we become cheerleaders of each other in the bathroom. Way to go. You can do it. We clap for each other as we're in there. High five. I knew you could do it. That's a great job. And we cheer each other on. You've got the Spirit. Yes, you do. You've got the Spirit. You could fill that in if you wanted to. I won't go there. So here's the thing. You know, in church services, I mean, I'm on to this if you don't know this, but some of you, Greg Roser, some of you in the middle of the service every week at the same time, uh, You've got to get up and go to the bathroom. Here's the thing. You see someone start walking out, follow them out. Go into the bathroom. And you give them bathroom encouragement while they're in there. One of the questions a youth group asked last Sunday night is a good one for us to think deeply about. They asked me, how can we help Oak Hills continue to become an intergenerational church? I mean, just think about this. What is God up to in this question? How do we be present to the question and discern what God would have us answer and work out the answer that they're asking? The Spirit is moving and working and forming in other ministries as well. Some of you are part of the journey group or you have been. God is doing wonderful things in the journey group. Some of you have been part of the cultural learning group over the last couple of years. Don't have time to go into it all. But the cultural learning group is a place where virtually everybody I know that's been in there has said, I've had experiences in there where God has shown up in ways that I've not seen in other places, at other times. Our young adult group, I just heard about some things going on in there this week. Good stuff happening. I met with a small group leader this week who's passionate about their small group becoming a missional group. Where they meet and they eat with each other and then with friends who do not have a relationship with God or with the church, where they learn how to mingle together with those who do not have a relationship with God, with their eyes and their ears open to what the Spirit is doing right there in those gatherings. They learn to listen to the Spirit and follow His lead and hear what He's saying and interact with those outside the church and apart from God in a manner that is consistent with the Spirit's leading. I had a wonderful conversation recently with someone who described themselves as stuck but who feels like the Spirit of God invited them to take a concrete step in a very practical issue of their life for their own spiritual formation and growth. Our Elder Board is continuing to grapple with and explore and examine and wrestle with what it looks like for us as a group of people to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice and hear from Him and discern His heart, for the church and proceed accordingly. And I'll tell you, it's not easy. It's a lot easier to have an agenda to come together. We've got to talk go about this, 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 this. Someone say an obligatory closing prayer and let's go home. It's a lot easier to do that. But there are people in that room and they're encouraging and they're pushing us to not settle for that. To grapple with what does it look like to hear God's voice together. We have a long way to go. It takes time and investment from people who realize The high stakes. There's a money part of this series, as you know. We're trying to emphasize dealing with personal debt, budgeting, what we're spending our money on, and there's a church debt issue we're trying to eliminate in this two-year giving campaign as we try to plan for the future and look out beyond our own leadership and beyond our own benefit. And when the subject of money comes up in a church, it stirs up all kinds of things, many of which, if not all of which are unpleasant. Images of religious crooks on television swindling others to buy $50 million airplanes immediately come to mind. By the way, we're not buying a $50 million airplane. It's only a million dollars, but no, I'm kidding. (laughs) Questions have already come up after one week about why do we have a $1.4 million in debt? Why are we talking about this on Sunday morning? I don't like that we're talking about this on Sunday morning. When are we going to get back to just preaching a sermon? Why do we have to deal with this subject? Questions have arisen about how awkward it is when new people come to a church service and they hear yet another religious organization droning on about money. And here's my response to that. I agree completely. And all of these things create messy and touchy and delicate issues to navigate through authentically and together. And I'll say it again, the Spirit is present in those tensions and conflicts and in the turmoil and in the questions we have and in the pressure points. Our own individual spiritual formation and our communal spiritual formation as a congregation is tested In a series like the one we're currently in. And it's good and it's healthy and it stretches us. And it reminds us of what Paul and the other New Testament writers knew. That this is not just another game. We're not just coming together week after week after week. And going through the motions and playing another game in the schedule. This is Super Bowl level stuff. The stakes are high. The kingdom of God is ultimate reality. If you hear that and it jars you. I'm going to say it again. The kingdom of God is ultimate reality. In the kingdom, we're dealing with core truths about this universe. Core truths about life, about God, about relationships, and about this world. And Paul and the others who wrote the New Testament did so to urge the church to accept its responsibility as God's temple where his spirit dwells and works And forms Kingdom Hearts. Now one of the things I'm consciously aware of on a regular basis is this idea That you must have on a regular basis that I have to say these things It's part of What I'm supposed to do and so it's good for us on a regular basis to have folks come who don't have to say these things They can say whatever they want and so I'd like to invite uh, five folks up who you know who you are from the church and we're going to continue this conversation about what God's up to and get their perspective on the matter. They'll introduce themselves once they start talking, continue to be impressed with the magnitude of the logistics up here today, <laughs> moving around, stools, microphones, whatever. So the, the first, the, the question that I really want to pose, and they're going to all kind of handle it in their in their own way and in their own time. It's just simply what we've been talking about. This idea of what is the Spirit doing in you, what's he doing in an area that you're involved in at the church, outside the church, what do you sense God saying to you, stirring up in you, moving in you on? What's he impressing upon in you? And I was going to throw it open and let whomever wants to, uh, start (laughs) the process.
0: You did it again. All right. (laughs) Um, My name is Carissa Fajardo. I've been with Oak Hills for almost 20 years. I'm married and have three babies. Um, I think what I feel God is really moving in me and in Oak Hills is authenticity. Um, Really loving people for who they are despite differences and different beliefs and everything. Walking alongside of them and... Truly living life with them, no matter what we feel or agree upon, but truly trying to be as Christ-like to them as I possibly can. And I feel like the church set a very good example for that as well.
2: Good. Someone else? Uh, my name's uh, Brandon Kane. I've been going to Oak Hills as long as I can remember. Um, but going off to walking with each other um, through the messiness of life, I'm part of the Journey group here at Oak Hills uh, currently. My Journey fam, you're here. Um, but right now we're, we just finished learning about who God is, and right now we're going through who we are, and it's some messy stuff, um, but it's amazing to see God in those moments um, where a lot of brokenness is coming forth, and um, I'm really excited to see, you know, where is he stirring in individually, but then also where he's calling us, which is the next step um, later on in
1: life. Good. The, the, Brandon, the Journey Group, for those of you who don't know, we've done it for a few years now, and... It's a great example of a community that walks together for eight or nine months and reaches out beyond the borders of the individual comfort zone and the group's comfort zone, so it's a good thing. Someone else.
3: My name is Dan Ogle, and uh, my family and I joined uh, Oak Hills, or started coming to Oak Hills about five months ago, so we're really fresh. Uh haven't been here that long, but I've had the pleasure of uh, joining the uh worship arts team uh, specifically with Carl up in the up in the sound and hopefully I'll, I'll get to worship up on the platform a little bit with these guys as well but one thing that really uh, spoke to us uh, especially right up off the bat was just how authentic I'm going to use that word again um, everyone is not just here but out there um, about their worship about their relationship with Jesus and, and that's just Uh, I think spoke volumes to us about Oak Hills. Uh, It was never about you you could just see it's not about us being up here on stage. It's about us as a congregation, as a church, living life together and being authentic with each other. And so that's just definitely some somewhere I've seen God speaking and moving.
1: Good. Good. I'm
4: Chris Bertelli and my wife, Emily, and I have been coming here for about four years. Um, and five years ago, I wasn't a Christian. So when you have that kind of idea, oh, you, hey, five years ago, five years from now, where do you see yourself? This probably quite literally would have been the last place <laughs> I would have ever seen myself. So, um, in the four years that I've been here, um, kind of the 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 way by the grace of God in His work here at Oak Hills um, has quite literally transformed. Me into somebody that I, uh, somebody completely different than I was. And the continued, pr- the continued pressure, not pressure is the wrong word, push for us to be reconcilers mm-hmm. in a broken world is something that continues to keep moving me forward um, in, in the stuff that I do here at Oak Hills. Okay.
5: Um, I'm Hannah Vaccaro. I've been at Oak Hills since I was in seventh grade. Um, I definitely felt God. Uh, nudging me towards, um, finding comfort in the discomfort and, um, and that I, he, I felt him nudging me towards positions in leadership, which is weird because I never would have found myself in a leadership position. Um, so doing that and also just as a recent, um, high school graduate, finding, um, ways to fill that transition into like the real world and college and the young adult life, um that floating kind of weird transition that people go through and just kind of helping to fill that gap because I know, like, that transition's where a lot of people drop off in their faith. And I know I was there. My faith was so scattered. And so um helping, trying to fill that gap and trying to find ways to um make that, like, not happen, trying to, you know, form that bridge.
1: Good. So it's good for us, again, just to, to hear this. But as you guys think about... Uh, what's next, uh, the future of the church. And, and I recognize that this is, uh, um, we're all just kind of grabbing at stuff here in terms of trying to think this through. But what I'd like you to do is, to as you think about the future, uh, to think in terms of what do you hope for Oak Hills? What, what do you want to see Oak Hills uh, press toward or be about or emphasize? And this is really important. We talked about this before, the service, and I'm going to reiterate this again, that uh, in, the, in the name of authenticity and messiness, the goal here is not to say something that's neat and clean and aren't we all so wonderful here, but to, to to give us a vision from your perspective of what you want the church to continue to strive for and become. And even if that feels like it's a critique of what is currently going on, or whatever. I want you to feel the freedom to go there and to say so. So, hopes for Oak Hills as we look to the future.
4: There was a couple of conversations that happened after the first service, and we did this, that people immediately responded to. Um, there were, I know Hannah talked about, you know, kind of like this. there's a transition period in life as a young person. Um, and someone said, oh, hey, wait, we talked about doing a mentorship for young adults with yes. with." Older folks uh-huh. like you. Um, was, <laughs> hey,
5: she's not old. Home,
4: are you talking so about me? So
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> right there. Um, and, and so I think it was it was you know kind of this call that some people were going to jump in. And you yeah. know, I, I hadn't met Dan until until this morning, and we had and it was a great conversation. I loved hearing the fact that what he loved about coming, you know, kind of wanting to come here was the the congregation didn't wait for leadership yeah, to right. jump in and do stuff. Uh-huh. And so he was like, hey, you know, would love to. Is there a mentorship? Yeah opportunity here where you know, and so we kind of like oh the theme of mentorship is yeah. already here so good. maybe there's good. A, a greater mentorship opportunity uh, between generations and with especially with
1: that's them. good i just had a similar interaction about things getting stirred and and people thinking about that very thing and where that might go yeah,
2: mentorship. Uh, my, my mentor is an older gentleman as well, Chris. Um, <laughs> so sorry I had to throw that. Back wait, did, wait <laughs> did
1: you just say what I think you said? <laughs> He's an older guy. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Little,
2: different different generation. Um, but that's that's one thing in Oak Hills that really struck me. Um, being in a different state and going to a different church, um, mentorship wasn't as stressed. And uh, here I found it's a plethora of mentors. You can pretty much if you can go around and find someone and say, "Hey, want to be my mentor?" Um, make T-shirts. Yeah. Um, that's
0: good. I like that. Yeah. But
2: everyone's going through a different phase of life, a season in life, and uh, it's really it's really easy to find someone that's been through what you're going through, or maybe is just getting out of it, um, to walk alongside you. So good.
5: Yeah, I um I think with um, emphasizing something would be uh, the whole message of you're not alone. Um especially just, I mean, regarding everyone, but especially like the young adults, um, more like focus on the young young adults. Like we have our, uh, college, uh, young adult Bible study and CYAs. <laughs> uh, yeah, our Bible study that we meet every week and it's very inclusive and it's so nice, but to have more of that, to have more, um, opportunities for, um, young adults and to, um, I come more as a community and meet more people like us because I know, like, everyone goes through, like, again, that transition yeah. um, to, like, walk alongside people. And that. Good.
0: Yeah, I, I would, you know, go off of what they're saying, too, and either further it. Like, my hope for this church in the future, I think about my kids and them stepping up into a leadership role and being taught how to do that and be, you know, spiritual direction and be the people that we want them to be. Um, I really hope for that for this Good. church.
2: Good. As far as Oak Hills, um, that's one thing that's also struck me, is we're actively running towards God, and I feel like if we stop actively running, then we just kind of become stagnant. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my one hope for the future, is we keep, act, continually run towards him. Um, I'm just excited for all the possible ministries um, and opportunities that can come in the future. I know Mike and I were talking about earlier... Um, Possibly like an occupational ministry, right? Um, my career choice, aviation. A lot of people are not allowed to join us on Sundays or be a part of a community regularly because their schedules or work schedules don't allow it. So, um, finding a way with maybe today's technology or even tomorrow's technology, a way to create a community so that way, no matter where you are in the country or in the world, um, you still have that community of Oak Hills. Great.
4: Don't stop. Don't stop being um, willing to dive into the messy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned cultural learning group. I was a participant in the first one. I helped facilitate the second one. It is, uh, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do for the third one. Um, but it's one of those things where you you go in with a little bit of hesitation because you're not quite sure how mm-hmm. people are going to react to each other. And it turns into one of the most loving environments you could possibly get yourself into. Yeah. And you want to take that with you. Yeah. And you want to go out in the world and you want to find the next person that, you're like, let's have that messy conversation because I yeah. know we can get somewhere good with good. it.
0: Yeah, I love that Oak Hills isn't scared to talk about things that people don't like to talk about.
2: You embrace the uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. I it's I want my kids to be able to have those discussions open mindedly and still be able to share love and support
1: and it's it's your comfort I think you said this comfort in the discomfort yeah, kind yeah. of yeah.
3: Uh, if I could yeah. add one more thing. Um talked about taking risks. I think you mentioned that earlier mm-hmm. before we got up here. Um one of the big things that i uh, really observed about oak hills and i would no matter where oak hills goes whether it be you know huge growth medium growth stays the same whatever uh is that it continues to be a church that really relies heavily on the congregation yeah. um and and encourages us to step into these roles of leadership and um takes risks on us uh, the first Sunday that we were here, there was a pottery participation. I can't remember what you guys called that. You, there was like a cute name for it. Uh, something. Pottery World. Pottery World. <laughs> Where anyone was invited to go over and, and mold clay, and, and, and it was an opportunity to participate as a worshiper, which yeah. it seems kind of 101 church, but yeah. I've, I've not seen that kind of level. We've got this amazing art exhibit right now yeah. that's been going on. So keep doing that. Keep uh, leaning on the congregation to uh, get ideas like we're doing right now. So thank good.
1: you. This is a good way to, to wrap this up and, and just to kind of try to summarize this. When we talk about what's the Spirit of God doing, it's crucial. They've all mentioned it. But it's crucial for you not to think that what that means is some group somewhere thinks the stuff up and hopefully delivers on it. What it means is, is that what is God saying to you? given your life history, your experience, your woundedness, your journey, where you're at, what's God up to in you that can be used to encourage and impact our own body here and beyond into the culture. And that's really the crucial thing, is that Dan's talking about this sense of togetherness on the journey, this sense of The Spirit is doing all sorts of things. Many of those things are in some of you. And the next step might be to pay attention to that and step forward and let's see what happens with it. Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we continue to seek to be your people here, uh, it's been mentioned several times, we continue to pray that we will stretch beyond what feels comfortable that we will continue to stretch beyond the hiding, beyond the shame, beyond the sense of safe Christianity in a safe community with a bunch of safe people. But that we will recognize with gladness the, the riskiness of living on the edge with you. And that as a congregation and as individuals, we'll will allow you to lead us in what those implications are. We look to you for this help, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We have talked frequently about the importance of the communion table in this whole adventure, uh, the ways in which the table serves as both a sign and a symbol, ...of the way of the kingdom, that is how the kingdom works, how it's organized. Uh, The value system of the kingdom is expressed through the table. And so the table is a crucial worship practice uh, at Oak Hills. Uh, It's also a way that we believe when we come to the table, when we're purposeful in our worship at the table... ...we actually encounter the risen Christ again. We meet him, that he speaks... And we have fellowship with him as we have fellowship with one another. So if you are a follower of Jesus and you so desire, we invite you to come and celebrate the table with us. The way it will work is in a moment. Ushers will come to the back of each of your sections. And starting in the back row, they'll dismiss you out to your right. You'll come down the aisle, receive the bread and the cup from someone who will serve it to you. Continue across the front of your section up the next aisle where you can return to your seat. When you're getting out of your section, for example, here, try to stay tight to the side because people will be going up that way and it avoids, avoids the head-on collision kind of a thing. If you've brought needs and concerns that you'd like prayed for, uh, or if you want to go on behalf of someone you know who needs prayer, there will be a prayer team back there and another one back there. I encourage you to go and they will uh, gladly pray for you. Our communion liturgy is how we remember the story It's how we rehearse it. It's how we tell it to one another again. To recapture...